The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything. And on today's show, we are doing another AMA on air. Guys, if you don't know when you're new here, AMA is Ask Me Anything. And this episode is, I think, the second one dropping in terms of New Year. So, Happy New Year, New Year again, guys, <laughs> if you didn't hear it from the last episode. We are obviously the first week into January. This is being pre-recorded. If you are listening to this, I'm coming at you from the past. (laughs) Hello. I also have sent out the listener questionnaire today in the podcast group at the day of recording, but it is still available for you to do. So if you have not filled out the listener questionnaire or the listener survey, please do. You guys, this podcast is community built. I am a one woman show and I try my best to obviously give you what you want and I make calls on things. I make judgments on things but I really do need your advice and your support and your feedback because without that sometimes I might put out content that might be a bit of a miss might not be a hit or I might not give you the stuff that you want so this is your chance to have your say this is your chance to ask for what you want I also want to say don't be shy Give me the feedback and if you have a wish list of something, if you think there's something out there that you really want to hear on this podcast and you think it's crazy, write it down. I love a challenge. I do love a challenge and I will try and make it happen, okay? So please do that for me if you haven't. I would really, really appreciate it. I value you guys so much and I think thank you for your support. I've said it a million times. Your support last year has not gone unnoticed. Your support this year will not go unnoticed either. And I really want 2023 to be amazing for you and this community and this podcast. And I can only do that with your help. So filling that out will go a long, long way. As always, we're going to jump into this episode. It is going to be a short, sharp one. It is a rapid fire AMA, Ask Me Anything. And And this podcast episode is not a substitute for professional mental health support. I always am going to preface the conversation by saying that. So if you are really struggling and you need some extra support, please check the show notes because there are lots of links and numbers in there for you to give a call. All right, guys, let's jump straight into it. We are going in with probably my favorite question that I have ever been asked in the AMA. Do you agree with if he wanted to, he would? And I'm going to say, just so we are a bit more inclusive, Do you agree with if they wanted to, they would? And I'm going to give you my hot take. I don't agree with it. And I don't like that term at all. And I really think that this term almost just like flattens everything. Like it just flattens the whole situation. And I'll explain to you why, because... If I think about moments in my life, there have been plenty of moments in my life, not even in like a relationship setting or a dating setting where I've wanted to do something and then I haven't. It doesn't mean that I didn't want to do it. I still wanted to do it, but for certain reasons, I didn't end up following through. And I want you to think about that as well. Think about the times when you've been dating someone or you're in a relationship with someone and you've had a thought to do something or you've wanted to do something, but then you didn't end up doing it for whatever reason. And it's not just like, oh, no, I don't agree. I'm not saying that words are not important. I'm not saying that actions aren't important. I think words and actions are both equally important. For me, 
I really like to look at a few other things. And I'm going to give you that because I think some of these other thoughts or some of these other ways of thinking about the dynamic might be a little bit more helpful, might be a little bit more productive and might give you some more context to it without just completely like squashing the situation down to, well, if they wanted to, they would, they obviously don't care. And so here are some of the things that I go through in my mind if I'm having that first thought. The first thing I look at are, are this person's words and actions matching up? Are they aligned or is there a mismatch there? Because I'm pretty sure it was the red flags and icks episode. One of the red flags was when the actions and words were not matching up. That for me is the first thing that I would look at. The second thing is, is this person constantly leaving me feeling confused? If the person is constantly leaving you feeling confused, think about that as well. The next thing is, how do I feel after we hang out? And you can even do these in your journal or in your notes app, or just think about them after you've been on the date with them or after you've hung out with them. And then the next two questions are about you, about yourself. So they are, am I asking for the things I need from this person? And I always think people aren't mind readers, right? And we're not taught how to communicate properly in school, (laughs) generally, unless we're taught by like our caregivers or with like going down the personal development world path. We don't really learn how to effectively communicate and ask for the things that we want. So sometimes someone might not be doing something for us, but it's because we haven't said to them that we want them to do it. And I know sometimes people's love language could be the other person just reading their mind and just doing the thing without having to have the conversation about it. But effective communication goes a long, long way. And then that's the next question, which is, do I need to communicate what I want, what I need and what I expect better? Because there have been plenty of times where I've thought, oh, if he wanted to, he would. And it's because I didn't say anything. It's because I didn't communicate what I expected. It's because I didn't say, this is, you know, how often I would like to see you, or this is what I would like to do for this date, or this is, you know, the level of communication I expect in return. And so I think those thoughts and running through those ideas, instead of just flattening it and saying, oh, if they wanted to, they would, could maybe give you a little bit more insight into the situation, could actually potentially save the relationship as well. And I mean, I would say maybe this comes up in like the early stages of dating, but nonetheless, I don't think that if they wanted to, they would is helpful at all, (laughs) at all. I don't think it is. And that's just my take. Obviously, as I say, with all of these questions, there's going to be bias from me and there are going to be certain times when the person is just being flat out not a good person to you or not treating you well. And so again, I'll say those thoughts that I gave you, the other options or the other ideas, that can help you get to the bottom of that with a little bit more nuance. All right. And then next question, guys, is being self-employed everything you wanted and expected it to be? Now, I wasn't going to answer this one because I, I think I want the AMA on air to be more for you guys. But I thought to myself, well, hang on, this could potentially help somebody that wants to go down that path of self-employment or that maybe is thinking about it or that maybe has had dreams about it. And I think it goes a little bit further back for me because growing up, my dad had a few different businesses and watching that as a child, I mean, some of them were successful, some of them not successful some of them really stressful on him, really stressful on our family. And that just really put me off for a long time about the idea of working for myself. I am a huge advocate for working for someone else. I've said it time and time again. I love like corporate life. I love the idea of like going to work, leaving your work at work, going home and oh, not having to worry about anything. That's your employer's responsibility. I really do appreciate that. And I feel like in a way, that's why I'm so 
open to the idea of if working for myself doesn't work out, I'm happy to go get another job working for someone else. I have no qualms about that at all. But for me, obviously now working as a self-employed sole trader, I've obviously been able to experience different things and I'm going to give you my pros and cons. And I want to say I'm still new to it. At the time of recording this, I have only been self-employed sole trading full time since what, September, the first week of September. And I recorded this episode in the second last week of December. So at the very most, we're at the end of like, what, three, four months. So I still think there's probably more things I'll learn, but this is what I've learned in this time. Here we go. I'm going to start with the pros. I'll give you the good, the good first. Number one is autonomy. I can make my day however I see fit. I can choose my hours. I can take a break if I want. I can do whatever it is that I want. And I've spoken about autonomy a lot on this podcast. I value it quite deeply. And so that is probably the number one pro for me. Number two is better job satisfaction. And I didn't fully understand this until I actually quit my last job, but I was quite unhappy in that role. And I didn't realize how unhappy I was until I was out of it and doing this for myself, doing all the things that genuinely fulfill me. And I'm very, very, very lucky that I was able to go out and work for myself and create, you know, different pathways for myself and get that satisfaction. I guess for me, when I think of my last job, like I was selling energy, (laughs) I was selling electricity and gas, right? And I liked that job. I got fulfillment from that job in different ways for a different period of time. And then when I compare it to now, I'm getting fulfillment from my job, whether that's, you know, recording podcast episodes, making YouTube videos, making videos on TikTok. I get so much more fulfillment from people saying, hey, like I listened to your podcast and because of that, I went and did this for myself or I watch your YouTube videos and they make me feel calm or they make me feel safe or I come on your page and I watch your videos because they make me feel a certain way. And for me, that goes a lot further than selling someone their electricity and their gas. And I guess I had kind of lost that fulfillment as I was going to resign anyway. And so better job satisfaction, I can say working for myself exceeds working for someone else, doing what I'm doing now. And then the last one, because I'm just going to give you three pros and cons, is I can call the shots always. (laughs) I'm my own boss. And I guess that is tied into autonomy. But what I like about it is if I don't want to work with a brand, if I don't want to do something, I don't have to do it. I don't have to really answer to anyone other than myself. And I love that about it. And I think obviously there's freedom as well in the sense that if I want to rock up to work wearing what I'm wearing or if I want to work in my active wear I freaking can if I want to take holidays whenever I want to take holidays I can so I really love that element of it not having to answer to anybody else and then the cons so the first one is my work-life balance is all over the place and you guys might be aware of this I think I've spoken about it a few times I think the line becomes so blurred for me anyway and maybe other business owners will relate but when it's your baby and when it's your business and when you're responsible for the money coming in, it's like, well, that switch off button like doesn't really happen. <laughs> and I say I quit a nine to five to work a 24 hour and it's not a full 24 hours. So I don't know if that's completely fair, but I definitely have struggled to see that this is work. This is my, my life now, especially because I vlog everything. And so I think it's probably layered there with that element of vlogging because I do vlog every single day. 
I vlog every single day on YouTube and on TikTok. And obviously you guys don't see absolutely everything. I think I've got a balance there, but I definitely think whether that is getting more help with the podcast in the new year or more help on my YouTube channel, that is something that could help me get that work-life balance in order. Number two is you have to do your own account keeping. Oh, guys, I have a great accountant. He's actually a legend. He does sometimes listen to my podcast. So shout out to you, Dean. Love your work. But gosh, things like doing your own super, doing your own tax, doing your own GST, keeping track of your expenses. Uh, it's a lot. And I personally struggle with it because I'm not very good with numbers. I was never really good with numbers. And I'd like to say and think I'm getting better. I think I am. But that is just a lot of admin stuff. I guess if I compare it to working for an employer, they've got a whole ass finance team, right? But when you work for yourself, you become everything. You become the finance team. You become the marketer. You become the copywriter. You become the face of the brand. You become the everything, right? And so I guess your skill set sometimes doesn't match up to what is required. And for me, my skill set in that account keeping area is not the best. And I do rely on my accountant quite a bit and I am getting better, but that's still a con for me at this point. And then the last one is it can be isolating at times. And I think because I am, as I said, a sole trader, there's not really a team. And I guess I'm lucky because I've got a management team behind me as well, who I speak to literally every day. Hi, Em. And I've also got an editor that helps out with my YouTube. And hi, Sam. <laughs> Look at me just shouting out all the people in my corner. But it can still be quite isolating because a lot of the time, like it is an independent sole role. And that's why I really love getting to know other creators and going to events where there are creators there, because there are just some things that the creator community understand and get that I couldn't really have a conversation with to my family or to even some of my friends because they don't do that exact same thing for work and don't understand the other stuff that we may, you know, potentially deal with on like a day-to-day basis. Things like hate comments and burnout and stuff like that. And so it can be isolating. And that's something I'd also like to work on more in 2023, guys. But I would say, is it everything that I wanted and expected? Yes, it has exceeded what I expected. It has been the best thing for me. I have not looked back once, even though I've had my old job like calling me, asking me to go back a few times. I said to myself, I would lean in and give this my best shot. And you guys have had my back the whole way. So thank you. And thank you for allowing me to do this for a job. All right. Question number three. Can you address how to deal with not drinking? I'm trying to stop, but I feel judged by my friends. Oh gosh. I feel you. I feel you. I've wanted to talk about this on the podcast for ages and I feel like I've spoken about it here and there in some of my content. And I also think it's a fitting AMA question given the time of year. Maybe I'm a little bit late because I feel like this will come out after New Year's, but we have a very big, I'm going to say drinking culture here in Australia. And if I think back to when I was a teenager, even in year eight, year nine, year 10, We would be young teens in our mid-teens going to parties. There would always be alcohol there. It wasn't like a let's just have one drink. It was like a binge drinking culture for me anyway. I don't know what it's like now amongst that teen generation. I definitely think there is that issue in Australia. I guess I just needed to preface the conversation by saying that because I think that's one extreme. And then I think you've got the other extreme where you have individuals that can enjoy a drink and cannot take it too far and enjoy it and it doesn't have to be something that is to the extreme and so I just want to say it's okay if you do enjoy a drink it's okay if you want to drink at events it's okay 
to do that. If it's something that you like and it's something that feels good for you and it's not hurting you and it's in moderation, that's cool. I'm not sitting here ever telling anyone not to drink and I don't think it's black and white. I truly do believe in moderation and balance and I even say that what am I, a conscious drinker? That's what I call myself because I'm not a non-drinker but I'm also not a binge drinker anymore and I would say I prob- you probably could have called me a binge drinker in my teens and my early 20s because that would be my aim. I'd go out every weekend or I'd go out to parties and my aim would be to get blackout drunk, which now that I look back is like super, super unhealthy. But it was like accepted amongst my friends. It was accepted amongst the people or that age group that I was hanging around with. And so the other thing I have to say, just because duty of care, responsible drinking always, guys. But let's get into this question. I truly think that you don't ever need to justify why you don't want to drink. But I also understand that if you were quite young, there is that peer pressure. And if you are quite young, it might be harder to do than if you are, say, older. And I can relate to that because in my early teens, not my early teens, in my late teens, early 20s, I couldn't say no, even if I wanted to. And now in my late 20s, I'm like, fuck yeah, I can say no. No, I don't want to drink. I'm not going to freaking do that. I think no is a complete sentence. And I think I don't want to is a complete sentence. I think I'm not drinking is a good enough answer. But if your friends are still pressuring you and if your friends are still asking questions, I feel like addressing it is actually the best way to go about it. And again, communication. Giving that honest answer or giving that context can go a little further and almost like silence them. And so what I usually say is, I'm not drinking tonight. And someone will be like, why? And I literally say, because it impacts my mental health poorly. And then the conversation ends. Because no one, I feel like people are scared when I say that. They're like, oh, we better not talk about her mental health. Or I'll say, I've already had one drink. That's enough for me. I'm done for the night. And then they'll say, why? And I say, because I don't want to feel like shit tomorrow. It's going to impact my mental health badly. Conversation goes dead. Sometimes I'll say that I'm driving. Sometimes I'll say, oh, I've got early stuff on in the morning, depending on who it is. I don't always necessarily feel like I need to owe an explanation to people that aren't in my inner circle or that aren't my closest friends. And anytime I've said to any of my friends, I'm not drinking, not one of them has ever turned around and be like oh well you're not fun oh well we're not going out now not at all and so there's an element there where I would say if your friends are still making you feel bad are they really friends are they really the company that you want to keep because you should be allowed to say no and you should be allowed to still be accepted by your friends if you're not drinking your friends shouldn't be judging you I have even said to people like I'm not drinking but I'm still having fun (laughs) where is this idea coming from that you're only having a good time while you're out if you're drinking I don't associate fun with alcohol For me, when I think of alcohol, especially in excess, I feel, oh, I don't feel good. It's not fun for me. It might be fun for other people, but I can still have a good time without that. And I can say that to my friends as well. And as I said, it's always well, well received. The other thing I want to say is something I have noticed, and I noticed this Now, especially as we've just come out of all those Christmas parties that I had, and even back in my old job where I would take clients out or we would have networking events where drinking was also a large part of like that B2B sales culture as well. I've noticed that when I had a drink in my hand and it would always be like non-alcoholic, it would be like a lemonade with like a lime in it or a lemon lime bitters, which I think has like a tiny bit of alcohol, but it's not, I think you can still have a lemon lime bitters, even if you're like not of age. I don't know. I don't know what the goal is there. There's not enough in it. But if I had a drink in my hand, no one batted an eyelid. No one said, what drink is that? They were just like, oh, she's obviously drinking, (laughs) even if it wasn't alcohol. So there's that other element where if you don't want anyone to ask you a question, having it in your hand could stop that. But I am a huge advocate for just calling it out for saying and saying it how it is like, no, I'm not drinking. This is my reason why if it's your close friends, 
if they still push, having that deeper conversation with them to say, hey, I really value our friendship. I would actually prefer if you supported me in this because not drinking for me is important and I'm still here. I'm still going to come out with you. I'm still going to have a good time. We don't need to have alcohol or I don't need to have alcohol to make that possible. And I would like that not to impact our friendship and see how that lands. And as I said, if your friends are doing that and still doing that after you have these conversations, and I would say maybe it's a little bit of a deeper dive into are these people really the friends and company that I want to keep? All right, good luck. And I'm proud of you because I don't know how old you are, but I wish that I was thinking that earlier in my early 20s or in my late teens. And then question number four. Also, sorry, guys, my... I tried to turn off my notifications. I don't know if you can hear it, but they come through my Apple Watch and I I don't know how to turn them off. <laughs> but anyway, we're going into question number four, the last one of this episode. How do you deal with the worry of failure? And I love this question because I'm so fascinated with the idea of failure. I'm so fascinated with the way in which humans perceive failure. And I think to worry about failure is a universal human experience. Because we don't want to feel uncomfortable feelings. It's not nice to fail at something, especially when you try something new or you're putting yourself out of your comfort zone and it doesn't go to plan. There's a lot that comes up when you don't succeed. There's a lot that comes up. It might be embarrassment. It might be shame. It might be guilt. And all of these emotions are quite heavy if you think about them. They're not nice. And so as humans, generally we try to protect ourselves from feeling these uncomfortable things. Sometimes to avoid failure, we may not try or we may stay in indecision because that feels better than feeling any of those bad things. And I I shouldn't call them bad things. I should stick to uncomfortable, sorry. But those uncomfortable feelings like shame, guilt, embarrassment, no one likes to feel those. And that's why I guess on this podcast, I always say like, I'm here to tell you to feel your feelings. It doesn't matter if they feel uncomfortable. It's better to let them up, let them pass because that's how you move through it. And that's how you learn to accept them and not be scared of them. Because I would argue that indecision and sitting in fear and letting fear drive you doesn't lead you to living a life that feels very good. I can relate to this because I used to worry about it all the time. As someone who would identify as a little bit of a perfectionist, I didn't want to fail. I wanted to be perfect. I never wanted to get anything wrong. I always wanted to do everything right 100% of the time. But we are humans and failure is part of life. Failure is normal. It is something that we will all go through. And I think we are bound to fail at certain things, especially if we are living, especially if we are taking risks, especially if we are trying new things or making scary big decisions. It is amazing to put your yourself out there and try something new. It is amazing to put yourself out there and get out of your comfort zone, start that business, get a new job, try whatever it is that your heart is desiring. I think that is one of the most powerful things you can do as a human to feel that fear and still do it anyway. And so for me, how I deal with the worry of failure is I tried to shift my mindset around it because now I don't see it as a scary thing. Now I see it as, well, fuck, if I'm failing at something, it means I tried. (laughs) If I'm failing at something, it means I worked really hard at something and it didn't go to plan and I gave it my shot and I put myself out of my comfort zone and that's still fucking awesome, Adele. And I also think that now I see it as a lesson. I don't see failure as failure. I see failure as a lesson and like a road bump. What do you call it? A speed bump. It's like, okay, it didn't go to plan this time. I'm going to try the next the next option or the next way of doing it. I'm going to give it another go in another way. Or maybe I realize from this failure that I don't want to give it a go anymore. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but I don't see it as a scary thing anymore. I'm happy to look it dead in the eye and be like, well, 
I'm trying. <laughs> if I'm going to fail at something, at least I'm trying. I'll get up and I'll try again. I would like to also think, and if you look at all the most successful people in the world, whether they're athletes or whether they're really successful in whatever field they're in, they have failed a million times before we see them get that success. They have failed and failed and failed and failed. And you know what makes them elite in their field? The fact that they got up and tried again, the fact that they got up and kept going until they finally succeeded. They learn from the failure and they try again until they succeed. And so I think failure can actually be beautiful in motivating you, in teaching you resilience, in giving you that thick skin, in giving you that backbone, in teaching you that, hey, I may have not made it this time doing whatever it was that I tried, but doesn't mean that I'm never going to make it. I can still give it another shot, try another way, learn from this, regroup, come back, try again. Failure shouldn't be something that we fear. I think it should be something that we embrace because it means that if you're failing, you're living a good life because you're trying something and putting yourself out of your comfort zone. So I think it's actually a beautiful thing. But guys, I'm going to wrap the show there. Thank you for joining me. As always, happy new year. I will be back in your ears after the week of January 9th with some in, in real time <laughs> shows and episodes. Please do the listener survey. If you love this and listen to it, share it on your Instagram story. That goes a long way too. Come join us in the Facebook group. Leave a review on Apple. Leave a rating on Spotify. Give us five stars if you love us. And I will see you guys next time. I love you so much. Goodbye. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. I'll see you soon.